Would you find the book of Galatians in your Bibles and chapter number one? Galatians and chapter number one. When you find that stand, we're going to read first ten verses of this uh, epistle. Paul writing to believers in the region of Galatia. Galatians chapter number one. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now Paul, sometimes he just dives right into the middle. Verse 6, he just, wow. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, and so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. For do now, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Entitled this message this morning, I pray that uh, you'll have listening ears and God will speak to your heart. The gospel of God's grace. The gospel of God's grace. If you don't know Christ as your Savior this morning, I just ask you to listen to the gospel of His grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you speak to all of our hearts as you've done so far through the music that we've heard. Uh, What a blessing. And as we look in your word, Lord, you have something for us. And there may be those right here this morning who don't know you as their Savior. I pray that today would be that day. They wouldn't leave this place without knowing that their eternal destiny is secure in you. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The gospel of God's grace. I have some advice. If you're in this room or watching by live stream, I had some advice to all of you that I need to heed myself. I find difficult, but I'm, well, I'm not making a commitment, but I'm going to try. Stop watching the news. And that's obvious, the reasons all the news is bad. I mean, just 
few days ago, people were enjoying a parade to honor the 4th of July and become victims of some crazed man with a rifle. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? The violence in our, I was going to say in just our large cities, but certainly that's not even the case. Violence is so common. It has to really be something extraordinary to make the news anymore. And um, I went and bought gas the other day. Prices of everything are higher. And it's always a crisis somewhere. The borders are a crisis. There's protests here. There's protests there. Schools, there's always something going on in our schools. It's either violence or some, some strange teachings are going on. Homelessness right here in our city and cities all over our country. It's, it's epidemic. It's It's terrible. And then finally you get the politics. I'm telling you, quit watching. It's just bad. And then just think, say, okay, well, the world's got bad news. and the, um, News is always bad. But just in your little world, just you, your family, your home, maybe you see nothing but bad news right there. It's harder and harder to make ends meet because of what's going on in our country, in the world. The future, you wonder, uh, there's fear about the future and about your own future, your children's future. Stress, that brings stress and, and drama and the list goes on and on. So the world, there's bad news, but right in your world, it might seem like it's all bad. And so... In a world that's full of nothing but bad news. And when that's all you see, and that's all you read, and that's all you hear about is bad news. Is it even possible that there is some still good news? Boy, the answer is yes. And while we're surrounded every day, it seems like bombarded. We have a news cycle that goes 24-7. You can always be watching bad news and hearing good news every day. There is still good news. The gospel is good news. I looked up the word gospel in Old Webster's 1828. Now, I don't know if you have, if you have opportunity to look up words in Webster's 1828. You might be surprised that uh, Old Webster, he didn't mince words. And uh, he knew something about God. And, and he had a relationship with God was obvious. Listen to his definition of gospel. The history of the birth, life, Actions, death, resurrection, ascension, and doctrines of Jesus Christ. Or a revelation of the grace of God to fallen man through a mediator, including the character, actions, and doctrines of Christ. With a whole scheme of salvation as revealed by Christ and his apostles. You don't need a theological dictionary, just get Webster's. 
He said it as well as any theological work you'll find, the gospel. Now, you and I, we hear that word, we use that word, uh, gospel, where we live in a country still, and I know, hey, our country's been off the rails for a good while. But we still live in a country where the gospel, people have access to the gospel. And you can, on any given day, hear a pretty plain, uh, uh, someone giving the gospel in a pretty plain fashion, either on the radio or on the internet or on television, or you can stream it somewhere 24 hours a day in our country. Every day we can hear someone, if who wants to, can hear the plain gospel. You and I are used to it. We know it. We understand it. We probably take it for granted. But I want this, this thought to be cemented into your brain this morning. Gospel... And grace are two ideas that can't be separated. The gospel is the gospel of his grace. It's the good news that the grace of God is given, is bestowed, is being shown, is being offered to man that is the gospel. Somebody might ask, well, what is grace then? Know what the gospel is. It's the good news of the death, the burial, the resurrection, as Webster put it, the whole scheme of salvation is the gospel. If it's the gospel of his grace, then can we define grace? Someone many years ago had put to had decided that grace means the unmerited favor of God. That certainly makes sense. Someone has used the the, uh, letters in the word grace and given us this, God's riches at Christ's expense. That certainly makes sense. You know, sometimes it's hard to define words, but you know it when you see it. Because we've all been recipients of grace. All of us in some way or fashion. If you're like me, you, you came in at 2 a.m. And you're still here to talk about it. Your dad was showing grace. You dented your parents' car. And you're still here to talk about it. How about this? Did you ever drive above the posted speed limit? I mean, no one in this room, but someone you know (laughs) one time drove above the posted speed limit and you drove right, flew right by the trooper and he ignored you. Grace. (laughs) All of us have experienced that. Maybe something even more serious. You were sick. The doctors maybe gave little hope. But grace. And we see it all around us. We see it. Just think about the gifts that God has graciously given us. When you see a sunset, that's the grace of God. When a young mother and father first hear their child's cry, 
I'm telling you, that's the grace of God. I was thinking about grandma and grandpa holding hands after 60 years or plus of marriage, still love each other. I'm just telling you, that's the grace of God. We're constantly surrounded by his grace. And without his grace, we would have no life. We'd have no peace. We'd have no hope. Without grace, we would have nothing going nowhere. And because of his grace, we have purpose and we have eternal life. It's because of his grace. Listen to a couple writers who certainly can say it better than I. Although out of pure grace, God does not impute our sins to us. He nonetheless did not want to do this until complete and ample satisfaction of his law and his righteousness had been made. Since this was impossible for us, God ordained for us in our place one who took upon himself all the punishment we deserve. He fulfilled the law for us. He averted the judgment of God from us and appeased God's wrath. Grace, therefore, costs us nothing, but it cost another much to get it for us. Grace was purchased with an incalculable, infinite treasure, the Son of God himself. Another wrote this, when a person works an eight-hour day and receives a fair day's pay for his time, that is a wage. When a person competes with an opponent and receives a trophy for his performance, that is a prize. When a person receives appropriate recognition for his long service or high achievements, that is an award. But when a person is not capable of earning a wage, can win no prize, and deserves no award, yet receives such a gift anyway, that is a good picture of God's unmerited favor. This is what we mean when we talk about the grace of God. Did we see his grace in the Bible? We saw it in the Old Testament. If you read the story of Noah, God's grace is infusing the whole story of Noah. Abraham and Sarah, unbelief. They didn't believe that God would give them a child in their old age, but God's grace endured. Joseph experienced God's grace and it gave him the strength to persevere through difficult circumstances. Moses seemed to doubt God at every turn, but God graciously guided his steps. The Israelites all through the scripture repeatedly rebelled against God, yet God graciously rescued them time and time again. Rahab, you remember the story of Rahab the harlot and how she bravely asked God to save her in spite of her past. God's grace was shown. King David he lusted, he stole, he fornicated, he lied, he killed. Yet God extended grace. And then the Old Testament closed, didn't it? And it seemed that God's grace was gone forever. And he was silent. God said nothing. God showed no grace. There was no word from heaven. And then the ultimate act of grace 
was wrapped in swaddling clothes given to us. Of course, we all know that hymn. And the hymn writer, can you imagine him pondering the grace of God in his own life and knowing I deserve hell, yet I receive forgiveness in heaven? And he wrote that song that probably has been sung more than any song in history. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. The gospel is the good news of God's grace shown to man. You know that through the ages people have chosen death rather than to renounce the truth of the gospel. People have left their homelands in search of new ones so they could freely live and preach the gospel. People have risked their lives to carry the gospel to those who haven't heard. People have packed all their earthly possessions in their coffins and boarded ships knowing they would never return to their home because there were those in faraway lands who must hear the gospel there have been those through the centuries who have forsaken everything for the gospel. Now, Paul and Barnabas are a well-known evangelistic team who took the gospel to many different cities in the region of Galatia, Iconium and Derby and Lystra being some main ones. And on their very first missionary journey, they went to these places, these cities. Acts chapter number 14, if you read that, you'll read some of the adventures that took place as they were in this region. Uh, they healed a crippled man. And at the, at the healing of that crippled man, the people, they tried to worship them as gods. And then right on the heels of that, Paul got stoned to death. Later, he visited these churches in the region on, in fact, all three of his missionary journeys, evidently. And sometime during his third journey, he writes this letter back to these Galatians that he originally visited and these churches that began as a result. And the reasons that Paul wrote this letter that we just read a portion, the reasons are quickly evident. Evidently, these people in these cities experience the grace of God and they believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now, as it says in verse number six, some of them have begun to turn their back on that gospel and believe another gospel. I want to show you a few things out of this passage I hope will mean something and make sense as we talk about the gospel of his grace. Look again in verse number six as he says, I marvel, I'm amazed that ye who've received this gospel of his grace are so, remo are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So number one, the gospel is his grace to man. The good news is that he offers grace. And boy, I, I like good news, especially in a world where all news is bad. Isn't it nice every now and then to have some refreshing, something good happen? 
And as believers uh, of all people, uh, we shouldn't let the bad news that's on Fox or or on uh, the major networks or in the newspapers or magazines. We shouldn't let the bad news that's going all around us, even though it may affect us, the economics and the violence and the cultural decline, all the bad news, uh, while I may be saddened and affected, listen, I'm not going to let that affect my spirit. As a believer, of, of all people, we shouldn't let that affect our outlook and our spirit Because the good news far outweighs the bad. If you know him, you know good news. Now, if you don't know him in a world filled with more and more bad news and you feel like it just can't get any worse. Can I tell you what? There is good news. The gospel is the good news that God's grace is offered to man. This gospel and his grace, they can't be separated. And as he says in verse number six, you were called. You, Galatians, were called to this gospel of his grace. Think of that. In fact, on more than one occasion in the New Testament, especially Paul uses this this term, you've been called. In Romans chapter number eight, he said to him that are called in first Corinthians one, called to be saints in Romans one, called of Jesus Christ. Romans one, seven, called to be saints. So what does it mean when he says that I've been called? What does that mean? I've been called to the gospel. I've been called to the gospel of his grace. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Now, when I was a kid, back in the Stone Age, I played outside. The reason was there wasn't nothing inside. All day, every day, I was outside. There was no computers, no computer games. There was nothing on television during the day except soap operas. There wasn't any VHS tapes. That's a big... None of those, no DVD players, no YouTube, no Netflix, no internet. We went outside. And if we didn't, our mothers made us go outside. And we played all the real sports and some that we made up. And we rode our bikes and we pretended that we were in the army. And we drank out of the hose and we dug holes and we crashed toy cars, and we made makeshift go-karts, and we threw dirt clods at each other, and we played king of the hill, and kicked the can, and we went fishing, and we explored the woods, and we slept outside. Mm, It was great. (laughs) And we played, and we played, and we played, until it was time for supper. I mean, we played all day. Until it's time for supper. Now, how did I know it was time for supper? I knew because my dad. My dad had some gift of God, some innate ability, some talent that most people don't have. And that's that he could whistle. From here to eternity, he could whistle. You could hear it in the next county. And my dad would step out on the front porch. I can still picture him. Step out on the front porch and whistle. 
And wherever I was in the world, I could hear it. And I would remember come running across and I might be at the neighbors. I might be way down at the end of the block. My best friend lived several houses down. I could be anywhere in our, we had like a neighborhood that went around. And I could be anywhere in that area and I could hear that whistle. And I ran home because <clears throat> I was called. If you're breathing God's air. If you're alive today, you have been called to the gospel of his grace. The gospel isn't just for a select group, a select nationality, a select race. The gospel isn't just for the chosen or the predestined or the elected. Can I tell you this morning, you are called. You are in Invited. You can believe the gospel. You've been called. Who are the called, Brother Ted? Just those special people that one day were predestined to be called. No, the ones that are called are whoever's hearing the whistle. Everyone's been called. Well, oh, Brother Ted, I thought people, no, everyone's been called. Yeah, but I heard a guy on, don't listen to that guy. Everyone's been called. You've been called. If you're sitting here, you're watching on live stream, you've been called. If you're a believer in here this morning, you know you've been called to something other than just salvation. The Bible says we've been called to other things. We've been called to peace. In 1 Corinthians, God hath called us to peace. We've been called to walk worthy in 1 Thessalonians. We've been called to holiness, for God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. He's called us sons in 1 John chapter number 3, that we should be called the sons of God. Knowing that you've been called to salvation and you've heard and you've responded, he's called you to other things, to holiness, to peace, to be his sons, to walk worthy. Just stop and ask yourself this question. Am I living up to my calling? Think of this. The angels in heaven sing the praises of God because of his work. His works in creation and what he's done. That's what the angels do. They sing his praises for his work. But the saints in heaven, they lift up their voice in praise because of his grace. Something that the angels can never understand, but then you and I have been called to his grace. According to verse number four, this grace has come to us at a great cost. In verse number four, he gave himself. May we never forget the cost of this grace it's offered freely to us, but it cost Jesus much. Can you imagine that Jesus enjoyed the praise of angels in heaven? And then Jesus relished in the eternal relationship he had with his heavenly father and the splendor of heaven and everything that we can't possibly grasp or imagine here was all his. But it says in verse number four, he gave himself. His death was an offering, not a penalty. 
Can you imagine that Jesus would have put himself on that cross if they had not placed him there? Had they not driven the nails in his hands and his feet, he would have done it himself. No one took his life. The Bible says he gave it. And that was the price of grace. And that's the good news of the gospel. There's something else about this passage that's very important. There's only one gospel. Look at verse number seven. Which is not another. This gospel in verse number six that you Galatians have turned to, he says, it's not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than what we've already preached unto you, let him be accursed. Is it not inevitable that eventually truth gets stretched or changed or distorted? And does not history, it seem always sometimes, uh, always sometimes, does that make sense? Does it not inevitably get rewritten? And ever since the garden, Ever since we are introduced to the devil, he has successfully taken God's word and twisted it into something that resembles truth, but in fact is not truth. What did he say to Eve? You won't surely die. Well, that was kind of true. She didn't fall over dead that moment, did she? Very recently, I sat in a church service, not here, praise the Lord. I sat in a church service and I heard the word gospel a few times. And every time the word gospel was used, it was used in reference to LGBTQ rights, personal freedom. And not one time was the mention of the death, burial and resurrection or even name. Of Jesus. Can I tell you the gospel is not open for debate. It's not open for change. It doesn't need updated. And regardless of who the preacher evidently or who the messenger may be, the gospel, there's only one. And he even said it. If an angel from heaven could somehow come down or an angel from hell Somewhere, somehow an angel would show up and preach something that is not the true gospel. Not only do we not believe that person, he said twice they should be accursed. Well, Brother Ted, the guy I saw on TV smiles real big. (laughs) Accursed. That's Paul's words. They should be accursed. Yeah, but what if they preach some things that are good? Paul said, cursed twice. But what if they preach some things that are true? Some things that are true. Paul said cursed. But what if they're popular, Brother Ted? And what if they have huge crowds at the pal- in the palm of their hands? Paul said it twice, cursed. There's only one true gospel. And there always have been false gospels. Here you are, Galatians. Think of this as we're reading this. We're just a few years removed from Jesus himself walking on the earth. Just a few years. And already 
The gospel is being his word perverted. And you read in the New Testament, Jude warned of those creeping into churches preaching a false gospel. And Paul warned of those who were reprobate concerning the faith preaching a false gospel. And Paul said there will be a time when people would rather hear lies than the truth and they're going to heap to themselves teachers who will scratch their ears. If that's true... Listen, if that's true, way, way back, just after Jesus leaves this earth, if that's true then, if there's already those then preaching a false gospel, can you imagine what's happened in the thousands of years since? We've got cults of all kinds. Many have come and gone. Many are with us. They take scripture and they preach another gospel and they twist Many of them have their own scriptures and their own gospel. And what's sad and what has been sad for many years is that Baptists have fallen prey to false gospels and cults over and over again. And if I can give you another word of advice, don't, two words of advice, don't watch news. If they knock on your door, don't answer. You know who I'm talking about, they, them, those. Okay, I'll tell you who they are. If they're Jehovah Witness, don't answer. If they're Latter-day Saints, don't answer. Or answer and tell them, sorry, I'm a believer. I'm going to heaven when I die. Can you offer me more? They won't be able to. (laughs) I wasn't even in my notes. (laughs) Cults of all kinds. How about this? Calvinism, you know, Calvinism is another gospel. And here's why I say that. I mean, Calvinism has been with us for many years and the mainline denomination churches have certainly embraced that for a long time. But man, it's found a home lately in Baptist churches and universities and colleges. And it doesn't preach a gospel of grace where God offers salvation to any who would hear, but a gospel of chance, where you only hope I'm part of the elect. That's another gospel. If you're listening to somebody and they are Calvinist or you're reading someone who's Calvinist, I'm just telling you, be careful, be careful. Then there's a universalism type belief that just simply teaches all mankind is going to be saved and end up in heaven regardless of their belief or lack of belief because we're all his children and God would never send anyone to hell. But in the end, all mankind will be saved. That's not just another gospel. That's a gospel of fiction. Certainly his grace is offered to all. But his grace can certainly be rejected. Before you listen to someone live or online or you read an author, make sure they're teaching and preaching this one true gospel of his grace. Because there are those who preach another gospel. And evidently they're in mind, as he says, to please men and not Christ There's only one, and it's all about his grace. And real quickly, this last thing in verse number six. 
Evidently, there are those who are led astray by other gospels. As he put it, I'm surprised. I'm shocked to hear that it didn't take long for some of you to turn your back on this gospel of grace and to embrace another gospel. And remember, he's writing to churches that he himself had a part in starting on his first missionary journey. And now just a short time later, here we are just a couple years later, confusion, false doctrine is disrupting the churches. And there are those who are, who are trying to say that Paul was self-appointed and not sent from God, not a God-sent apostle. Notice how he addressed that in verse number one. And then the Judaizers have come in and, and they claim to follow Jesus, but they insist you also had to follow the law. Without following the law, you can't be saved. And so evidently, according to verse number six, there are those who have abandoned this clear teaching of the gospel of his grace. And they're embracing another gospel, which is simply a gospel of works. If it was true, then it's true today. There's one true gospel, and it's all about the grace of our Lord. And any other gospel is a false gospel of works. And just as in Paul's day, evidently today, there are those who will be removed from the truth of his gospel to another. Now, here's the question I have for you. Have you responded to the call of God that he's given to all and to you individually to believe the gospel, the one true gospel of God's grace? Or are you trying to earn forgiveness through some other means? Well, Brother Ted, I just was always believed and taught and heard that if you're good, that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. And so when you die, you go to heaven and all your, your good stuff's on this side and your bad stuff's on that side and you hope the good outweighs. If that's so, we're all hopeless. Because there's none good. If you're hoping... If you're tying your eternity to your own goodness, can I tell you, it's, it's not going to work. Well, Brother Ted, if I, I joined a church, I'm a member, I've been a member, I was born into this church, some church, any church, as if some church can get you to heaven, you could join this church over and over. It's not going to do you any good. Church membership. Well, Brother Ted, I've been baptized. I was sprinkled once, baptized. I was this, I was that. I went to catechism. I went to class. Somebody said some words over me. I'm just telling you, none of those methods will do for you what His grace will do through believing in the gospel. Maybe you've placed your faith in some religious system, some work, some goodness of your own that Paul would just simply call, that's another gospel. That's not another. In other words, it would do no good. Jesus calls all who will believe to come. When my dad would step out on the porch and whistle, did you know every kid in the neighborhood turned and looked? But I was the only one that came running. 
They are all called, but I was the only one responded. Listen to the words of Jesus. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He's called all mankind. Not a select, not an elect, not this race, not this nationality, not just Americans, not just, no, he's called all. And all can respond. And if you respond to his simple call because of his grace, he said, I won't cast you out. You'll be welcomed. Are you trusting in his grace? If you're in this room this morning or maybe you're watching by live stream and there's never been a time that you've received the grace of God through belief in the gospel you don't know that your sins are forgiven. You don't know what would happen if this was your last day, if you had to meet God today. You don't know where your eternity would be. You have, don't have that peace. Can I tell you, there's one true gospel. There's one. And it's by the grace of God. It's the good news that he died on the cross for your sins and that he calls you to repentance and belief in him. All are called and all you have to do is respond to that call. All you have to do is say yes. He won't cast you out. He won't look you over and say, I don't want you. He won't say you're the wrong kind, you're the wrong color, you're the wrong this. Nope. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. This morning, what we'd like to do to give you an opportunity, if you don't know Christ, if you've never responded to his call, if you've never received him as your savior, here in just a minute, we're going to have an invitation. We'll have men, we'll have ladies here in the front. And all we ask is that you would come forward and let us take a Bible and show you how to be saved. You can, this morning, respond to that call. Would you bow with me? Every head is bowed and every eyes are closed. I'd like to ask you a question before we have our time of invitation. Who would say, Brother Ted, I may not be everything, but I know there was a time I received Jesus. I know I'm saved. I may not be everything I should be, but I know I'm on my way to heaven because I received Christ as my Savior. Is that your testimony? Can I see your hand? Just lift your hand so it's a, re it's a testimony to the grace of God. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. It, is there one that would say, Brother Ted, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about my eternal soul. I'm not sure if I died today, tomorrow, the next day, where I would spend eternity. I don't have that peace. There's never been a time where I know that I've received Christ. I may have done some religious things. I may be a church member. I may have done this or done that. But I haven't received that pure, that one gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I've never received that. But I'm concerned about it. Would you pray for me? If there's one that would raise your hand, I would pray for you here in just a second. No one will come and talk to you, but we want to know who to pray for. Here in just a, on the ground floor or in the balcony, would you raise your hand? Pray for me, Brother Ted. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I'm concerned enough about it that I would raise my hand. 
Heavenly Father, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the gospel. Thankful for your grace. Without it, we'd have no hope. Without your grace and what you did for us on the cross, we'd have no hope of eternal life. And we'd have no help in this life. I'm thankful for those that raise their hands as a, as a testimony of salvation. But as I looked around, I saw many whose hands weren't raised. And it could be they were, didn't understand the question or were not sure. It could be they don't know Christ. Maybe they're here this morning as a guest or, or they just uh, have been here for a while and have never received Jesus. Lord, I pray for them. I pray as we have a time of invitation that they would come and let us take a Bible and show them how to be saved this morning. Be the most important day in their life. And we rejoice with them. So as we have a time of invitation, Lord, I pray you'd have, uh, your will would be done. We would respond as you have spoken. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name.